0: Hello and welcome to Elite Team Leadership. Today's episode, got the chance to sit down with Brian Royal, who is a legend of the Western Bulldogs Football Club. He um, made the team of the century as the Rover, Hall of Famer for them, 199 games and 299 goals over his career, and also represented Victoria on seven occasions. Absolute superstar around, and then went and had a magnificent coaching career where he uh, was assistant coach at a number of clubs including Western Bulldogs, Richmond, North Melbourne, St Kilda and Melbourne. So we got a great chance to sit down and really talk about his expertise and producing great teams over his career and his own um, football career himself and how he got the best out of himself. It's fascinating and we, we actually got to catch up at a local cafe here and I must apologise a bit about the background noise but um, it was great to sit down and really get um, awesome insight and learn a lot. Um, So I hope you guys really enjoy this one. As always, guys, remember if you love this one, make sure you tell a friend about it to have a listen and hopefully learn a lot from an absolute superstar that uh, Brian is, so enjoy. Welcome to Elite Team Leadership. My name is James O'Connor and today I'm excited to have Brian Royal uh, sitting down with me to have a chat about producing great teams, um, leadership. Now, Brian obviously has tremendous experience and a huge career in AFL football, Uh, played 199 games for the Doggies, uh, was a Hall of Famer for the Doggies. In um, the team of the century, I believe, as a rover, um, and then went on to be assistant coach a number of AFL clubs, including Melbourne, Richmond, St Kilda, and Western Bulldogs as well, and North Melbourne as well, <laughs> Brian just um, lets me know. So, uh, I'm excited to have you here, so welcome, Brian. Thanks, James. Pleasure. Yeah, beautiful, mate. So, I guess you want to start back with your playing days. So, you came from Bendigo originally, and then um, moved up to Melbourne or was recruited by the Doggies. That's right. So, when... Um in, in the early '80s, so I was 19, 1982.
1: Yep. Um, I'm, I'm a country boy from Bendigo. I was I was in the Western Bulldogs or the Footscray zone back then. Yep. And uh, got a great opportunity to come to Melbourne to play um, an elite sport. Yeah. How old were you when you were recruited to the elite? Uh I was 20. I 20. had an, I had a knee reconstruction when I was 18. Okay. Um, which was quite massive back in the early '80s. Um, yes. With, with those type of operations it was a bit of hit and miss with them but I was pretty fortunate to get that done properly and I missed a couple of years well I missed 18 months 40 with that and then come to Melbourne after that to play with the book yeah
0: okay oh. and I'm actually, I'm actually a sail boy a long boy myself so I know the area um, but I guess once you got to the doggies, you, or you who were you, your first coach would have been back in the early age? Who was before Mick Mouldhouse? Now um, think about we it. We had a guy by the name of Ian Bluey
1: Hampshire. So um, he was my first coach. He only lasted one year,
0: um, yep. and then um, then Michael Mouldhouse coached me for the next. But it was six or seven years. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess with your coaching, because you coached a lot, a lot after that, did a lot of your coaching principles I um, learn off Roy Mick? I guess he was your first coach and. And um, where did you sort of build your foundations of football mainly? Do you think?
1: Well, um, there's no doubt about that. Mick was, Mick had uh, had a huge impression on me, not only as a player but certainly uh, in my coaching career as well. Um, in some ways, he was a he was a mentor to me. Yep. Um, but as a, as a as a coach to me, he, he Mick was one of those guys. Um, he was great at building relationships with players. I think and that's one of the things I really took out of him as a, as a coach to a player yeah. um, that I put into place, but he, he had that great ability to be able to work with you and get the best out of you. Um, he really cared for you. Yes. Um, you would want to do probably things under him that you probably wouldn't do for other coaches because of the, the care um, that he did you. and it wasn't only care about your football, he cared about your family. Yes. Um, I know that you know, one, of, one of the things that Mick, Used to do back then, you're talking 30 years ago, he would ring every player the night before the game. Really? Um, which was, you know, back in those days you, you had 20 players on this, so I'd make 20 phone calls on a Friday night just to talk to you, just to reassure you about your, your role the following day. So just little things like that that I, I took away um, from him as a coach.
0: Yeah, so. Building obviously he was a very good building relationships so um, that's obviously key to what you did so if you were a coach listening to this what sort of you know two or three things would you you know like to see coaches do today with players to get that yeah you know, strong relationship which obviously produces a great result well obviously
1: obviously the communication with with your players is critical um, in in team sports you have a lot of you have a lot of players that you've got to deal with But it's important that you. Um, I make a I make a note that the the players I've spoken to, so more for the more for me to, to highlight the ones I haven't spoken to. Yep. Um, and it's not and we've got to be really careful as coaches. It's not all about you're not talking always about the sport or the profession. Yes. Um, it's really important to to ask them how their weekend was. You know, how's the girlfriend? Um, you know, What's going on with your family? You know. And, and it's really important to know the names of, of the families and that sort of stuff because what that does that 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 shows to the player that you care. Yeah. Um. You're interested you're interested, yes. and it's, it's really interesting. Some of the elite players and people that I've been involved with in my time, I reckon, they're really interesting people. Yes. But I sort of look at them and go, I don't reckon you're really interested in in what's going on around you. Yes. Um. And which is which is yeah you know, which is which is quite incredible really when you you know some of the players or the coaches I've worked with in time.
0: Yeah. Now, I, I guess through your you know your career um, with the doggies, which, which sort of stands out as uh, your best season during the eighties, you know, early nineties. What was your best season? What do what do you reckon brought about a really great season from yourself?
1: Um, probably the I would I wouldn't even say a season. I would sort of say a period over a period of years. Yes. Um, I have no doubt that the period um, that I played my best footy, and that was that was probably. Um, yeah. That was for five or six years, yes. um, where I felt that I was at my best. I was, because I got all my training, all my preparation and recovery right, um, yeah. You know, back back in those days, we weren't professional footballers. Yes. You know, we had to go to work during the day and earn a living. We got paid pretty well to play, but we had to we had to go to work still to earn a living that was just the way it was so was it for,
0: 40 hours a week sort of thing or so how yeah, many hours were you doing well a week I
1: was, I was really fortunate I had my own business at the time so, okay. so I could work my footy around my business yep. um, but I remember remember back now that, that I would get up at you know, 5.30 in the morning and, and, and go to the gym and train before yes. work go to work and then, then go to the football club and train again. So so yes. um, you think back now the players wouldn't the, the players it would not be heard of guys doing that because it's all about recovery now. As is, is about getting your sleep pattern and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So for me, it was was all about my my preparation. Yep. And my recovery. Not yep. only about game day, the performance day, but it, it, it had a bits to do about uh, certainly about preparation.
0: Yep. And that do you reckon is that would made you sort of leader within your group and made you you know stand out as one of you know, the best players, obviously in that obviously team and the competition at the time. Oh
1: no doubt absolutely no doubt and um, I felt that I was a really strong leader yeah and, and it wasn't because of what I said it was some of the examples that I set I guess as a as a player and the way I, I went about my work yeah um, you know I, I can I can relay some stories I in early days when I was at, when I was at the Western Bulldogs I'd be leading a lot of the runs I'd be leading a lot of even with warm-up laps, I'd be leading and, and players would players would, well a couple of players I can remember would often say come on son Pull back, pull back. You know, you're going too quick. And, and in a way, at the time, it's one of the, the great regrets that I've got in life now that I didn't have the, excuse the French, but the was to sort of say at the time, no, yes. um, you're not going to hold me back from being the best I can. Yes. And I think in team sports that happens a lot. Yep. Um, I was fortunate to play in a few finals games, four finals games for yeah. the Bulldogs, but we didn't win a premiership, and sometimes I think players will hold other players back. And, and that's, that's probably, I don't have too many regrets in footy, but that's certainly one of the regrets I do have.
0: So if you were a player, whether you are playing AFL, amateur league, or say VFL today, if you felt you had other players holding you back from reaching your potential, what would you say to them now to try and break free of that and really step it up a notch?
1: Well, I guess because I was so young at the time, I probably didn't have the confidence to go and talk to them individually or yep. um, within the group and say, hey... Um, what you're saying is holding the team back. Yes. So it um, would. So in a way, if I had my time again, I would make sure I made it known. And you know, even back then, we did have team meetings, um, leadership meetings. So yeah. uh, if I had my time again, certainly I would have talked. I would have spoken about it. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're the they're the minor percentages of, yeah. of, of things that, that that hold teams back.
0: Yeah. So, if you talk to the player and, and say it didn't really bring about a result from there, I'm just sort of thinking, because obviously this is going to happen a lot today, what would be your next move from there? Would you be talking to the coach, do you think? Or what would be your, or the team leader, or what would be your next move after that if you felt that that player was still uh, was having a negative impact on your performance and, like you said, negative impact on the whole team? Well, I
1: think even that, James, it's an interesting subject within itself because um, with my coaching career, what I've experienced coaching is you get what I call locker room talk. So the locker room talk is um, often quite quite negative. I oh, would train him too hard. Or well, why do we have to get up at six o'clock and go to this go for a swimming or I didn't like what that coach said about me. And what strong leaders do in, in really good organisations, they put a stop to it. Yes. The negative talk in the
0: locker room. Like nip it in the butt quickly. Absolutely or, yeah. yes. Yeah, and that was for some good leaders just saying, hey, just looking at what the team's about and then going, Hey, this is not really helping our situation moving forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I and I reckon I still believe it is really difficult as any individual in life to have a strong conversation yes. with someone else and I mean a strong conversation is is about, hey, what you're talking about is rubbish. Yes. You know, this is about the footy club, it's not about you. Yes. Um, and that is in life. It is, it is real difficult to confront someone and have that conversation with them. But we've got to. I mean, for to be successful, yes. you've got to have those conversations. And and unfortunately, people might like it at the time, but I think if you do it, the team or you are going to benefit from it.
0: We're touching before, just before we start recording, we're talking about, you're obviously massive on culture and you're working down in, uh, for uh, by Morris down here, just in, in the amateur leagues. Um, Talk to me about what culture sort of means to you and and why you think it's important.
1: Um, Culture for me is massive um, in any sporting organisation. It's it's, it's certainly the foundation for me to success. Yes. Um, And and pretty much, to sum culture up, it's it's the standards that you set as an individual or or as a group. Um, And it could be little things like just knowing the names of the staff members that work at your footy club or your organisation. You know, they're part-time people. So being able to greet them with a name, um, yeah, thanking them for their work. Um, little things like we spoke about before, James, of keeping keeping the environment or the, the change rooms clean. Yes. Um, so they're the real basic things. It's then the standards of turning up to training on time or turning up all the time for, to, Stop, yeah. to, to training. Um, and then if you can get all that sort of those things right, then the performance side of the game looks after itself because you notice they're getting the off-field culture right. So if you can get that right, the off-field
0: culture follows that. Takes care of itself yes. in a way, So it filters through. So if you were sort of like, if you were starting a football club from scratch, would, the, would it be fair to say one of the first activities you would be doing is setting up the culture for the club and what you're going to be you and become and, and want to stand for in a way? I've got no
1: doubt about that. I think, and you have a look at in the AFL at the moment, the AFL have set up two new teams, Greater yep. Western City and the Gold Coast, the Gold Coast Suns. Yep. And you look at the Gold Coast Suns, they've got a, I guess, I guess the reputation coming, coming out of Queensland or the... the what everyone's saying is that it's a little bit of a party atmosphere, so you would say that is the wrong culture that they've set. You then go to GWS, and now they're, they're young. Both teams have got a lot of young kids. You know, they're led by they're led they were led by Kevin Sheedy, you now Leon Cameron, and you would sort of say that the culture that Dub set is the right culture. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, even from that level,
0: absolutely. And I guess you had a team like the Gold Coast. Say you were. Um, look and try and shift that culture, and, and if you say you are brought in to give advice on how to do that, what sort of key things would you do um, for a football club to try and change it back to a more positive path and a more um, empowering and, and productive manner? What would be the sort of things you could do to sort of instantly get a little slight change?
1: I think it's, and it's a difficult, it is a difficult one to change, and I, I don't necessarily blame, I don't necessarily blame the players for the culture, yes, um, because they only learn it off the past. People have been been in the organisation, so they don't know anything different. They just think that's that's just normal, you yep. yeah. um, know. So you've got to put, for me, you've got to put the right people in place. and that that comes down to staff as well as players. Yes, that's going to, that's really really that's that's enormously important to get to get that right. Because yep. if you don't get that right, um, the players have got
0: no one to follow. Yes. And I guess obviously in a way, the jury sort of still out with that switch they made last year and head coaches, I guess, in a way? Or do you think it's going to give them, obviously, more time for them to settle oh, in? That's
1: going, that's going to take time. i have got no doubt Rodney, Rodney will get the Gold Coast culture right. Yep. It's just going to take time. Yes. Um, it's going to take a little bit of change in personnel. Yes. Um, you know, certainly, certainly so they've changed the change of senior coach, but that's, that's, not either, that's not the only change that
0: they've got to make, I guess. Yep. So, but it will take time. You can't just change it overnight. Yep. Now when you, you, you finished I believe the end of ninety three season, I believe. and um, you actually had the injury that sort of put, put, you know, put a stop to your, to your career enough, unfortunately. Um, you went into coaching straight away, obviously in the local leagues wasn't after that, and then you came back into the into the main league, yeah, into APL, absolutely. Yeah. And what was what were the big things you noticed between changing from a player to a coach and becoming successful at both, I guess? Well I guess
1: it's, that's a really good question, James, because when I, I finished playing with the, the Bulldogs I snapped my Achilles in nineteen ninety three, yep. so that ended my career um, abruptly um, yes. on one ninety nine game. I saw that. <laughs> I did <do> my research <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so um, I always had a passion to go into coaching. Yes. Um, so I I uh, I ended up coaching a, a, a team in the Troy Valley Football League called Lean Gaffer. Yep. So I've gone from an AFL player um, who thought who thought I knew who thought he knew a fair bit about the game. Yep until he went into coaching. And for me it was, okay, all of a sudden it was, well, this is a bit nerve-wracking, yeah. okay? All this stuff that I'd been doing in my time, I'm now going to coach it. Yes. But the reason I'm massive, massive on culture is the one thing that I was really confident in was, was knowing myself, knowing how I prepared. So for me, um, to go to Lean Gaffer, my, my, my main aim was to get the culture right. I wasn't confident in coaching the footy side of things, but I knew that I could get the culture right. So um, that's why I'm so massive on it now. Is I, I, um, I took over Lee Gafford, second last on the ladder. Yes. In my first year I got into the grand final, the second year we won the premiership. And it was purely, it was purely because of the standards that I created around the footy club, the standards within the culture. But, was, but back then it was only little things like okay, if you didn't if you didn't train, I'm not saying you're not going to play, but you're putting yourself at you're, risk. You're, you're yeah. putting this one in jeopardy. Yep. And if it comes down to two players, at the end of the day if it comes down to between two players. I'm going to pick a player who's trained the most. Yeah. If you don't attend training, you ring me and let me know. You just don't turn up. Yes. Um, there was no drinking in the change rooms. There was no smoking in the change rooms. It was compulsory for Sunday morning recovery sessions. Real basic and little things. Um, yes. training attire. I had one guy one night tried to train in blunt stones, stubby, <laughs> stubby shorts, and a and, and one of these And a, a yeah. flat shirt. Yeah, yeah. Straight away. I said, no, you're not training. Yeah. Everyone said, oh he's one of your great stars of your team. I said, I don't care, he's not training. Yes. So those are little things. Um, and the footy actually looked after itself. Yes. I actually improved him as a team purely because I've got the environment right. It,
0: and do you find it this interesting on that guy for like, blunnies and that you say he's a good player? Have you had in times in your career where you've had to say players can't play even though, no matter how good they are? And and do you find that you sort of gotta have the courage to do that in a way for the better of the team?
1: Um, not necessarily not necessarily... do you mean Like if like, if
0: they if they step out of line as, as such and don't um, live by the team you know values and that do you find it or what, what do you find Do you find difficult I guess what I'm saying is in, in terms of especially if they're a really good player for your team they know they can have a big impact on your result as a coach I'm sure a lot of coaches get caught in that position yeah, where they, yeah. they sort of feel like they need that player to play to, to do well it, as a such I
1: think my point so I talk I do a lot of coaching mentoring the one thing I say to the coaches is st- set the standards early. Yes. Okay, from day one you've got to set the standards. So it's no use, you can always soften, you can always soften the standards later on down the track, you've got to be really strong early yep. to set the standards you want to create. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and then, uh, then the player has got no fallback after that. And so from then, as you, um, as a coach, you've got to be really, uh, really strong to adhere, to make sure that they adhere to the standards, and if they don't you've got to be really honest with the feedback that you give them yes. um, it's no use fluffing around the edges and I see a lot of coaches fluff around the edges and
0: don't give them the really the, the right answers or you know, the honest answers yes. in your time I guess in the, you coach a number of teams um, what were the, some of the, the key consistencies between them to make, to making a good team o- outside of culture what else do you think sort of uh, was really strong in making a team perform mm. well. Well I think um, I think your leadership is critical
1: yep. to, to everything we've just spoken about because if you can get your leaders setting the examples okay generally generally the the players will follow. Yes. So I think leadership is, is critical. Um, finding the right leaders is, is sometimes difficult. Um, because there are so many different qualities and players from a leadership point of view that you've,
0: you know, um, you've got to look for. When you're looking for a leader and choosing a captain or a vice-captain, what sort of things like are you looking for when you're choosing one? Are you, do you have a certain criteria or how do you work out who should be leading a football club? How do you do it?
1: Well, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult question to answer because... In, AF, in an AFL environment, an AFL football club, there are so many different personalities within within the organisations. That, um, these players are more popular than other players. Um, yep. But again, from a leadership point of view, I still get back to to picking your leaders who, um, I guess, who you can identify that that stand up. Well, basically, stand up to the standards that you set.
0: Yes. They're in line with the the standards and then the culture, I guess, you set. They sort of yeah, exactly so right, represent yes. that. What you want to bring about? Because back in I guess in the eighties and nineties, it was a lot more. Was it, a lot more just the captain and vice captain than the team. Or did you have more leadership groups back then? Because today you yeah. sort of see was, every team has a you know, half dozen or so. Yeah,
1: well, probably the leadership. There were certainly leadership groups, but there was there was no way near um, the numbers that they do have today. They'll have yes. like t- ten players the leadership group back then. Probably you might have had three or four. Right? Yes. So yep. it was a little bit easier to manage.
0: Yep. And you find ten, like you know, eight to ten or whatever it is today, is that being more effective, obviously, because that's what they're using today, or do you reckon back three or four is is enough?
1: I, I don't mind. I don't mind the bigger leadership group as long as the right, as long as you've got the right people within the leadership group, because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of th- things to manage within a, within an AFL football team these days, and I think it's really important. Yeah that the leaders do share the load because I mean you've got so many things you you've got to look after as a player with not only yourself but if you're also a leader. There's a lot of things to cover and I think it's um, if you can have a leadership group who all uphold the same standard or the same values, yes.
0: um, they then share the workload. Yeah. Um sorry change um back to your playing career. In your during your time, who was the best couple of players you played against and and what made them look so good to play and hard to play against I guess. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> That's that's tough I mean yep. What sort of names? Would it be? I, I was
1: really fortunate to play in an era where we had some great players. You know, I yep. played with, uh, played against, and played with Lee Matthews. Yep. Um, played against him, obviously, and then played state football yep. with him. Um, Tim Watson, um, yes. um, Dale Waitman, some, some some legends of the, some absolute legends of the game. Yep. Um, you you now have another guy, Gary Dempsey, who, yes. who Gary played with the Bulldogs, and then went to North Melbourne. I played state football with him. Um, all the all the great players were the best trainers, from yeah. my point of view. They were the best. They were the best. I say trainers, but best preparers Yes. To
0: play. It's it's yeah. interesting. You always the classic story. I think of Michael Jordan. <laughs> the greatest of all time. He was the first of training, the last to leave. Exactly. Of yes. And, and yeah. Yeah, you probably had the most talent in the world as well. Yeah. But you combine that with a a work ethic, and that's what you get. Yeah. And I,
1: I and I say so prepare, not necessarily training. So preparation, yeah. preparation is training. Yep. yep but also part of preparation is getting is getting um, your diet right yep. getting your recovery right yep. um, making sure you're ready to go to train it's yep. um, doing the extras to 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 an elite athlete
0: if you were coming up through this if you are getting advice to some teenagers coming through the system now 15, 16 and really want to have a get into the AFL what, would you be really talking about them really implementing this sort of stuff now that sort of age or sort of building that into your adult career as footballer like these sort of you're working on your recovery, you're working on your diet, your sleep, and all those sorts of things. Would you start to tell them to start working on that now. As you're coming through of high school, I guess.
1: Oh, absolutely! I think it's really important, particularly kids who are coming through school, because what happens with the school kids? They've got all their sport at school. They've got all their extra activities they do after school. Then, then they go and play a, a club game or some sort of a weekend. So they. So for them to get their preparation right, that is critical. So yeah, certainly I'd be having a conversation with them about about the preparation to, to perform. Yes. And that's not only
0: perform and training but also training. Same question, but basically through your coaching career, who were who were the best coaches you saw and work with and, and what do you think made them absolute great coaches? Um, you worked with a few I mean, yeah, yeah, two yeah. great ones every yeah, time yeah yeah well, certainly
1: um, we spoke about before about Michael Moyes. clearly he's probably the best person that I've worked with yes. at AFL footy yeah um, because of because of everything he stands by um, and Mick and Mick I wouldn't have thought Mick was a a great tactician of the game but what Mick coached when he, he, what he coached was um, all the basics of the game and you actually got the basics right yes yeah. um, from a tactical point of view, um, I've got no doubt that he, he knew the game inside out. But he made sure the players got the basics right before they got anything else. Right. Yeah. So that was that was that was and, and obviously as I said before, um, mixability, be able to um, build relationships with, with with players was outstanding. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a really interesting one because I have worked with a lot of AFL coaches. Um, they they're all very good football coaches. But not all of them are good, are good
0: managers. Yes. So,
1: um, so for me, um, I think it's um, I think probably one of the, the one of the downfalls of AFL AFL coaches. I'm talking about not only senior coaches, assistant coaches. Yep. Is the management side of things, and, and it's probably something that that I feel that the that the AFL the AFL coaches association needs it to 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 work with coaches on a lot more. Um, just
0: describe management. Sorry, more to me. What so, so, so
1: management. Management it's, it's managing. It's managing the week. Yep. It's managing the people. Not only the players. It's managing the staff. Yep. There's so many things as a as a as a coach. You've got to you've got to do throughout the course of the week. So many things that you've got to cover throughout the course of the week. Sometimes. The, um,
0: I guess the pressure of the job it certainly affects the management side sort of things. Yeah, okay. um, I guess going into, we'll talk about this season, what sort of, um, in, in the teams obviously there's Fremantles leading the way this year and uh, obviously Ross, uh, Ross Lyon is yes. very strong obviously and what we talked about earlier on Culture, yes. what other teams do you see you know, coming through, do you see, you're looking at teams now you're thinking oh, they're, they're going to be strong in the next couple of years?
1: Well, I mean, you keep looking at the same teams all the time. I, you know, I, I certainly, I certainly look at my ex-side now, the, the Western Bulldogs. Yep. Um, they look like they're going to have a a really um, strong decade, I guess, because they've got a they've got a really young team. Yep. Um, so there's no doubt. Um, I know Lukey Beveridge reasonably well. the yes. who, who coaches Western Bulldogs? He's come. Yep. Um, he's had a really strong grounding as a coach. Coming from Hawthorne, so he understands what success looks like. Yep. So, um, but you, you keep going, I still keep going back to the Sydney Swans, the Hawthorns, who are, they're just great sides because they know how to sustain success. But I think if you look at every all of those organisations, they've got a really strong culture. Yeah. You know, Paul Roos Paul Ruse set it up at Sydney. Yep. You now, John, Ly- John Longmire's John taken it over. Yep. Alistair Clarks did an unbelievable job at Hawthorne not only setting it up but, but making sure they get sustained success over a long period of time. Yes. Um, and, and, and each of those two teams have got great leadership groups.
0: Yeah. In terms of like player personnel, um, do you think like a, obviously getting the right sort of cattle in a way in your team is so important? Like, and obviously you look at Hawthorne, they've got so, so many superstars across the park. Mm. Do you reckon that is more <laughs> a, bit, a bit of luck in what they've got in the draw or the work they've put into the recruiting and that? Or or a lot to do with Alistair and his team of getting the absolute best out of those guys. I think
1: it's um as a, to be a good coach you've certainly gotta have the you've got to have the cattle, there's no doubt about that. Yep. But I've seen I've seen clubs have good cattle and not succeed yeah. with it. Yeah. Um because of you know whether whether that was because of coaching or whether that was being, I think it's lack of leadership personally, yeah. and it's leadership at the top. Yep. Um the coaching group, it's leadership um in your organisation as an administrative as a group yeah. and a leadership with, within the football team yeah. as, a, as a player. Yeah. Um, those three things are really important. really important. So if you don't get that right, um, you, you can recruit good players, you can recruit very good players, but what happens when they come to a, a poor organisation? If they've got any, any sign of weakness? That's where you know I'm talking about talking about playing a playing group with players who go, or oh, or it's a bit cold out there today. Oh, I can't train. So as soon as if you get a player in that organisation, they might start going to that corner yeah. with that player going, oh, it's a bit cold out there. I can't yeah, train yeah. type thing, and that's what happens. That's just
0: it's just human nature. Yeah. We um, it, it's interesting talking to you about like you know like a Hawthorne um, you know, or a Sydney. Um, I guess those teams sustain success. They've obviously set that sort of benchmark, and, and then be able to um, continually do that. It, 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 I guess stemming down from the top, I'm guessing. Yes. From your highest with those teams you sort of mentioned before that uh, had great cattle and didn't um, form. Um, I guess you can see that too with like a, like a Geelong even I guess with 06 when they really struggled and then obviously a couple of new changes. Um, do you think that was one of the, obviously the reasons that they exploded the following year and for the last decade I guess?
1: It's only, I've got no doubt and it's only from what I hear. Obviously I wasn't involved in that football club at the time but certainly the noise that was coming out of the place was I think they had the League's team model come in. Yep. And they started getting 360 degree feedback yep. and I think in particular, Gary Adler Jr. and yeah. Stevie Johnson got some really strong feedback from the playing group, and yep. a um, game which shows great leadership from, yeah. from some, of the, some of the players at the football club, no doubt that will
0: Because the they have some iconic leaders now, you think about it, like Tom Harley, Cameron Lee, and also led by Paul Thompson during yeah. those years as well.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, stemmed from there. Um, well, I guess we're sort of coming towards the end of the interview now, Ryan, and um, i got to ask a couple of questions I'd always like to uh, leave it with. Um, if you um, had three pieces of advice to any football club trying to achieve success, just three pieces only, only allowed to give, what would they be? Um, I think it's pretty simple from my point of view. It <laughs> um, is get the culture
1: right. Yep. Get the leadership right with crew talent
0: crew talent yep okay. <laughs> second last question is that too simple no no that's good that's good we like it simple and easy yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're an, you an avid reader in books as well uh, or? I try to when I get time Yes. if you had to recommend a couple of books to teams going forward <laughs> or any sort of um, books that are, this is the base of the question they ask everyone. Yeah, 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 if you had to recommend a couple of books what would you recommend get your hands on and have a, have a flick through I um I love I love reading autobiographies on great people. Yeah, I'm massive too. So <laughs> yeah.
1: and it, because I mean with autobiographies, they, they just go into these are basically their life skills. So I I love the autobiographies. So that's, and I read about a lot of water, because they're easy reading as well, yeah, yeah. For, for me, but you see so much or you find out so much more about that individual. Yeah. You know, I've, I've probably got, you know, all of Michael Jordan's books. You
0: know? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've got books on Green Norman, so they're yeah.
1: successful, really successful people. Yeah, yeah fantastic.
0: Uh, final question. Um, what's your definition of greatness?
1: Oh, definition of greatness. Ball football, uh,
0: football Club. That's not a bad answer, actually. Yeah, Bullford so yeah, Club because
1: because of where they come from yes. and what they've been able to achieve um in, in really a relatively short period. And to be great greatness is greatness is not about just be winning one gold medal and one AFL premierships. Yes. It's about what I call sustained success. It's over a long period of time. Yeah. And that's why I say the Hawthorne Football Club, because they've been able to do that. And that's it's a it's a magnificent
0: effort when you think about what Alistair Clarkson has been able to do. That's a good answer. I like it. Good. Well, um, thank you very much for coming in Brian. I like acknowledge you for coming on this and having a chat with us and people lots of people to listen to this and hopefully get a lot out of it. Uh, Acknowledging you for your work you've done coaching and obviously your fantastic playing career and now working with your business and construction. Um, so thank you very much and we'll have to catch up again soon. Thanks James. Cheers.